You're listening to Mintersectional Podcast. I'm Noreen. And I'm Ashley. This is a podcast about having the necessary difficult conversations. And for those who believe in anti-oppression across all intersections. For those that live their truth every day, regardless of social constructs or pressure. For those that value different perspectives. For those that aim to be lifelong learners and believe in positive change. For those that are subversive as hell and constantly challenging the norm in every sphere of human existence. Welcome. Okay, and we are back for episode four. Four. I think Holy this is four. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So it is September twentieth, and this is an intersectional podcast. I am Noreen, and I'm Ashley, and we are coming at you in the middle of I don't know a bunch of stuff. I guess like mm-hmm. lately, what's going on in Minnesota? Um, so we can just go ahead and dive in. Dive into it, I guess. Um, so Spy House is a coffee shop that's in Minnesota, and they have like one St. Paul location and four Minneapolis locations, and I love their coffee. And I am a big supporter of what they're doing right now. They are demanding that the owner of Spy House, uh, who goes by Christian, but I heard his name was like Tony or something like that for real. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so he's not recognizing the union, and... Um, they are striking this weekend. And from what I'm understanding, they are striking until their union is recognized. This is, I think it's Union Local 17. And they also got Surly to unionize. Oh. Yep. So, um, Local 17. Yeah. So, and Tattersall. Tattersall also unionized. So that's great. And Mm. the owners actually recognized those unions. So that's... Nice. Yeah. Um... So that's kind of what's going on, or what I've heard about recently. And then you brought up that sign that they had out in... <laughs> yeah. So um, they created a Instagram page where I've kind of been keeping up on things. It's Spy House Union. And um, I definitely support what they're doing. Um, they had a great post just kind of laying out that they're striking right now due to unfair labor practices and... Um, they need stronger COVID safety measures. There's a lot of things that just haven't been safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yesterday they had a sign that said, Union Busters Drink Soy, with the emoji, the vomiting emoji. And obviously, being vegan, I was kind of like, whoa, you know, what's the deal with this? Um, a friend sent that to me, and um, they had reached out to them and just said, like, hey, you know, what's what's the deal with this sign? Like, I support what you're doing, but... Um, you know, as a vegan, like, why would you want to crap on soy? And they responded quickly and said, um, they were, you know, were more so talking about like the frothing capabilities, um, which I get it, but they're, you know, better alternatives now, especially from oat milk, like Oatly makes, um, some great things for baristas, but, um, and like almond milk too. I know they use almond, oat, and soy. Oh, really? So, so yeah, so they options. use a lot of stuff, and so that just that boggles my mind. And also, I was a barista, and froth and soy is not that bad. <laughs> yeah, and so it was just like I was glad that my friend had reached out to them because they pointed out, um, you know, hey, what's worse, um, the people who are out harvesting the soybeans or the people who are in the slaughterhouses, you know killing these spent dairy cows and, mm-hmm. and the veal calves and things of that sort. So um, hopefully that gave them something to think about. But beyond that, yeah, I definitely, like, support what they're doing. And 
it's, it's cool to see people coming together and protesting. You know, I always support that. So Yeah, they finally, so in terms of COVID measures and stuff, they have been wearing masks, the employees have, at least at the North Loop location, which is where I go all the time. Mm-hmm. When I say all the time, like once a week. It's my favorite thing to do on Fridays. Um, anyways, they finally got the plastic shield oh, okay. up in front of the cash register, and they've been demanding, like, those kinds of, measures and much clearer social distancing guidelines um and upper management actually holding to those guidelines from what i'm understanding upper management meaning not the actual owner or whatever but the maybe supervisors at each okay uh location were not necessarily having customers adhere to the social distancing guidelines they have like the stickers on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So keeping six feet apart, that wasn't being looked enforced. Yeah, enforced. There's the word. Um, so yeah, uh, one thousand percent support these workers. I have a soft spot in my heart because I used to be a barista, and I I loved being a barista. If I retire, like I definitely want to be a barista. Yeah. I would, yeah. Um, if I want to retire because it was just such a fun job, and everybody's always happy when you're like handing them coffee. <laughs> So. <laughs> right. Oh, and all the good smells. I'm not even a yeah. coffee drinker. I just I love just smelling it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Spy House is top, like top notch. I really think that they do a good, responsible job of sourcing their beans, of uh, paying their farmers well. From what I'm understanding, um, it's just this one thing. I I'm not understanding why you wouldn't respond to your workers and recognize yeah. the union. I I think we talked about this last time with um. What, this was before Tattersall actually recognized their union. Uh, and what was the other one that I mentioned earlier? Tattersall and um, uh, Lawless uh, Distilleries, too, if I remember correctly. But they, um, they hadn't recognized their union yet, um, Tattersall, and... I, I don't get the not recognizing thing by this guy Christian or Tony or whatever the heck mm-hmm. his name is because that is the safe space for people of color, for people who feel like job conditions are not good, to take up an issue and support each other as workers. There would be a lot of things different with the job and like how they valued and took care of their employees. And I just, I, that's I, because I have experience being a barista, I just have a really soft spot in my heart for these people. So. Um, Has the owner addressed, like, anything publicly, do you uh, know? Not that, to, that I'm yeah. aware of, no. And they have, I believe, all locations have fully striked. Yeah. So they are completely closed right now, and hopefully, I mean, honestly, that was going to be the next step anyway if he continued being silent on this. And that's so. why I'm surprised, you know, you think yeah. people would try to avoid any kind of negative media attention, especially with social media and things spread so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'd seen on their story too, um, a person, um, I guess I don't know their pronouns, but Grace was fired. Um, I believe they worked there for four years and uh, because they refused to stop the union. So they were fired. Yeah. Is my house? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, Was that recently? um, I think it was just... I just viewed the story this morning. I don't know. If, I think it might have been from yesterday at the protest. But um, they were up there at Spy House, one of the locations, like, 
voicing this, that they were fired because they wouldn't stop the union. Oh, no. I don't know if they were in a managerial position or um, what their position was, but yeah, it was like, wow. Yeah. Oh, what a bummer. Yeah. And on top of, like, everything is this COVID, and so it's just, it, it has complicated everything, but it's also made, I think, it, it's like, all of this is pulling back a big veil mm-hmm. and exposing what might have already been unfair labor practices mm-hmm. at Spy House. Um, so it's just, yeah. Yeah, I see more people speaking up now. Like, COVID has seemingly given people a reason to finally speak out on mm-hmm. a lot of these things that have just been going on. And um, yeah, I was also side thought. Um, Thinking about how many things have been produced, um, like floor stickers stating to stay six feet apart, signs saying to wash your hands, mm-hmm. and you know all these you know stores have protocols and stuff listed on their windows or doors. Just like how many pieces of paper or things have gone into things that are just for COVID. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot when you really start looking around at it. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's necessary. There's not really a way around it unless you have, like, screens or something. But it's just like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And to boot, like, service workers, they're just so undervalued in general and underpaid, in my opinion. Um, and, like, what if my goal in life was to be a barista for the rest of my life? What if that got me up every day and that was my my one thing that really I could see myself doing for the rest of my life and I wanted to work at a coffee shop for the rest of my life. Like, what what sorts of things would keep me going? Do you have a... Do you have a, a retirement plan? Me and my partner were actually talking about this yesterday. Like, what if you wanted to work at Taco Bell for the rest of your life? Service workers just don't... There's no way for them to... Even though these organizations and these corporations are huge... They, they, there's no long longevity sort of plan for these people to mm-hmm. actually be able to maintain their, um, uh, uh good, yeah, livelihood yeah. while they're in these positions. And baristas are one of them. I think it's more, these are, like, seen as temporary positions that may be, like, a college kid. But what if you, what if that was your thing in life? What, what if that was your lot? And they're not... I don't know if they're paying workers well there at all or what have you, but if this is just the tip of it, mm-hmm. I'm wondering what else they're doing that's not. Retirement and like thinking ahead for the future is something that I was actually just spending some time thinking about this morning because I retook that 16 personalities test. Have you taken it? Like the Myers-Briggs, like what's your that's personality ENFP. type? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, I retook it, and this is the third time I've gotten something different over a span of years, but I was reading about my type, the adventurer, and um, it was saying how I'm very, like, living in the present, don't really plan ahead, and it's true when I have friends who are older than me who, like, try to give me advice, like, don't end up like me, like, plan ahead, because mm-hmm. I was a server for many years, like, I really enjoy working in the service industry, and I've actually kind of considered getting back into it a little bit because I I literally didn't really worry about money at that point. Well, because I was also working a ton of hours, but um, it was something that I really enjoyed, the mm-hmm. fast pace, you know, but 
And I've got like a Roth IRA that I put some money aside in, you know, every month. But that's about it. I haven't really thought ahead about retirement. And you hear these statistics about how so many people, um, you know, even around our age, like, well, and older, many people in general, like, don't have more than like $400 in their bank account. Mm -hmm. Like, many people do live paycheck by paycheck. And Mm -hmm. with COVID, it's really just presented even more of a struggle. So, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's... And it should be something that I think about a little more, but then again, I'm just kind of like, life is so uncertain, like, you know, you could, anything can happen, like, tomorrow isn't guaranteed, and I am a more, like, live in the now, which isn't the most, maybe, responsible in some regards, but, like, I, I'm not worried about it, Mm -hmm. which is also probably, like, naive and whatever, but I just, I'm not worried. I don't think that's naive, I think it, I think, um, it's maybe not what, a lot of people have been conditioned to do. Like, living in the now is not something that I think our society as a whole focuses on because there's all that crap to think about. Like, what are you going to do when you're 62? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my parents both, well, my mom is a planner, and she kind of bestowed that onto me. My brothers and my dad are probably not. Uh, my youngest brother probably is, too. But my... Um, my middle brother, he is not a planner, and he kind of flies by the seat of his pants. He mm-hmm. actually just moved to Colorado. Oh. Uh, and and he said, you know, the, the planning, the focus on planning and, like, making sure that you're financially safe and all these other things was something that our moms instilled in us, and it prevented me from living a life that mm-hmm. I really wanted to, and now I'm doing it. And that was, I mean, I had my doubts about him moving during COVID, but I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, you're totally right. I mean, our Good family. For him. Yeah. So I, I admire people that can live in the moment because that's constantly something that I'm trying to do. Yeah. I am 1,000% a planner. So I'm always <laughs> thinking about, like, what's next? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do today? Like, even this morning before I got here, I was like, I'm going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to take a big nap. You know, and, <laughs> and it's like, why? You know? One of my partners is a major planner, and that's mm-hmm. one thing I actually. Granted, sometimes I get annoyed, but, like, I really enjoy that, too, because it's, mm-hmm. like, great. I can just, because at work, I'm a, I have to be a planner, so mm-hmm. it's nice to just, like, sit back and, all right, you know, he's got all the details figured out. We're going to be here. You know, I just have to go along for the ride, mm-hmm. and it's, like, really nice. Granted, when it comes to, like, adventuring and stuff, I do like to plan to an extent, but, like, very happy to have somebody who likes to kind of, you know, take charge on that. Yeah, and that works really well, I think, in a partnership, too. Mm-hmm. My my partner's the same way. He's kind of more easygoing, and I'm the one, like, yesterday, I was like, we're going to the brewery, and we're gonna go apple picking, and we're gonna get cider, and, like, and then we'll meet up with our friends, and, and it ended up all happening, but he was just like, okay, okay, <laughs> all right, no strong feelings about it. Yeah. But, <laughs> so. Um... Oh, tying back to, like, being present and being mindful, I, have you heard of the book, The Power of Now? Uh, yes. hmm Very, like, impactful book for me. I read it a couple of years ago, two years ago, I believe, and, like, it, it was a tough read for me. Um, it's not a very large book, but I found myself distracted as I was reading it, so I would just find myself going back and rereading a page and just, like, really reading it slowly to process what I was reading, and it it's one of those books that I would put in, like, the life-changing category, Mm -hmm. but it's just incredible how these things can kind of, like, out of sight, out of mind, you know, you get caught up in the busyness of life, um, and the age of distraction that we're living in, Mm -hmm. but I just recently restarted the book, 
and I'm finding it so beneficial, and it's just, like, getting me back to being a little more, like, centered, and um, not worrying about things beyond my control, and near the beginning of the book, it was saying, what did it say, like, 80 to 90 percent of the things that people think about throughout the day are not things that are, like, in the moment. It's oh, yeah. things that have already happened, things that are gonna happen, and it's true. It's, it's so, when you start realizing that, and just... I don't know, oftentimes, too, when my partners would be like, we'll say to each other, like, are you being present? Or, you know, we'll take some deep breaths together. And it's like a nice little reset and a reminder that we need because there's just nonstop distractions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2020, man, this has been a heck of a year. Yeah. I know, I just keep thinking, like, what's next? Yeah. Um, um I did hear that the there was a, and I, I'm sorry to speak on it without knowing 100% details, but... Um, oh, so the, the third precinct was going to have a temporary location put oh. up and, um, it got like protested and there was like a, um, it turned into like a block party because they decided the person who maybe owns this lot or the property said they didn't want the trouble and everything. So they're not going to allow the third precinct to have a temporary space there. So that's. Cool, All right. that's not happening and yeah. yeah I heard that people were like screen printing shirts there and there was just like a lot of community and mm-hmm. again like bad speaking I don't I don't know like the location and 100% of the details but um I did you know scroll across that and found that interesting mm-hmm. so it's good to see that people are you know still taking it to the streets and demanding better yeah absolutely um uh the other thing that I wanted to throw into the mix was uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death. So that was the other thing. That I was oh, yes. Um, even though that's not a Minnesota thing, uh, we were kind of talking before we started re- recording about the complexity of people and that, I mean, honestly, with Spy House bashing Sawyer or whatever, I, I mean, you can't expect that all of them are vegan, probably, right? right? Like, the feminism doesn't go maybe that far, and we will talk about that in the second half of this episode, Mm -hmm. and how feminism and anti-speciesism are totally hold hands, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, But Ruth Bader Ginsburg, how she fought so much for things that were, that kind of um, rode along in the feminist vein. Mm-hmm. And yet, there were things that... I mean, she lived from 1930s to, yeah. to now. She passed away two days ago. 87 uh, years old. 87 years old. Seen a lot of shit in her lifetime, probably. And, could, I mean, not... She's human, so mm-hmm. does it contributed probably as, imperf- as an imperfect human can to things that maybe she didn't really necessarily know... A ton about or like that were kind of um they were discriminatory but not necessarily in an overt sense Mm -hmm. so covertly and she may not have known um you talked about that doctrine of discovery that she contributed to this post that i yeah the post that you saw um and it just speaks to like the imperfectness of all these things that are happening even though they kind of are in that same vein of feminism, I think that absolutely workers' rights is, and and unionization in places that need it are a feminist issue, for sure. Um, But that it's not going to ever be a perfect, like, consistent thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I wanted to say about that. Um, And Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like, 
fought for so much in that vein and everything like that, and um, she will be missed. And and also, people are freaking out by the uh, about the fact that like now we're fucked or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know necessarily if we need to go one hundred percent there yet. I think that there's a lot of fighting we all can do, and you know, voting is coming up and mm-hmm. everything like that. Her one wish was that um, people wait until we have a new president for the next yeah. Supreme Court justice to be voted in. And I think that is wasn't there some bullshit about Mitch McConnell? Yes, being, you know, <laughs> of course. Uh, and how he fought so hard to have us wait in 2016 to re- elect a new Supreme Court justice, and now he's rushing mm-hmm. to push someone in there. And surprise, I just surprise. So, Oh, that's so bad. Yeah. So, that's kind of shitty. But, um, other than that, other things that are going on in Minnesota. One thing that I just recently learned that I wanted to put out there, um, so there is a pet store in Blaine, Minnesota, Four Paws and a Tail, who, um, there's quite a bit of documented proof that they're getting their dogs from puppy mills. And for those who don't know, a puppy mill is... There isn't a set number of dogs that a place has to have to be deemed a puppy mill. It's just if they have more dogs than they can take proper care of, then they're deemed a puppy mill. And um, spoken with people who have purchased puppies from there and their dogs have either gotten very ill or they have died. And they've racked up, you know, astronomical vet bills and things like this. And so um, there's a group that protests out there every Sunday. And, um, well, I think it's two groups together, actually, and they are not asking the store to even close down. They're just saying, hey, let's adapt your business model. Um, Let's pass this humane pet store ordinance, which basically states you cannot sell any dogs or cats that are coming from these breeders, these Mm -hmm. mills, but you can team up with rescues and shelters, which there are a ton of locally, and you can host adoption days so people can adopt these animals versus purchasing them for fifteen hundred dollars um and not knowing much about them until you know you you find out unfortunately when they get sick but um a big hurdle has been the Blaine city council and the mayor um some of us went to go speak at one of their meetings back in december and they didn't really want to hear us out the mayor previously purchased a dog from them like 20 years ago and he was one of the lucky ones who didn't have any problems so he thinks that all is well he wants to protect a long-standing business that's been in the, the North Town Mall um, without addressing... Like, I know that business, then. That's been there for a long yeah, ass time. I want to say 47 years. Yeah, I used to go look at... Well, yeah, because you can see the puppies. You, yeah, those yeah. are the cute puppies. Right, when you walk in that one door, they're you know straight ahead. And, um, and it's like we're not trying to shut them down again. We're just trying to get them to adapt their business model. But... Um, They pretty much refused to hear the issue. They kept saying, oh, police have gone to the store to check it out. Everything looks fine. It's like the store is not, I mean, the store is part of the issue, but the deeper issue is where these dogs are coming from, Mm -hmm. what conditions the parents are being left in. Um, So the mayor is retiring in November. He's, there are people running for his spot, um, and there are a couple city council member spots opening as well. And there is one person running for Ward 1 in Blaine, Jason Smith. Um, I think he's like 45. I've watched some of his interviews. Seems like a very 
down to earth, like average person that just wants to like see better in his community. Mm -hmm. I don't know him personally, but he did state that he is for this cause, that he would do what he could to help get the store to adapt their business model, which is huge. So if we have any listeners who are in Blaine, specifically Ward 1, um, please look into Jason Smith because, and then again, like I don't know him personally, um, but to hear that someone is supporting this uh, when so many others aren't, that's huge. Yeah. So uh, I might be rallying behind this guy and trying to get the word out about him. Um, because it's much needed, you know, it's, um, how many people have to go through heartache and Mm -hmm. financial ruin just so this business can keep making a profit, Mm -hmm. you know? So just wanted to put that out there. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So Jason Smith, uh, that's really cool. Um, and I'm glad that they're taking a look at that. That was actually a pet store that I used to go to when I was a kid and look at the puppies and stuff Mm -hmm. and... I didn't know it still existed. Yeah. I assumed that it was shut down. Yeah. So, wow. Well, there's there's also another one. Maybe that one has been shut down since, but that was over in, like, Harmar Mall. Oh, yeah. They about. got shut down. Okay. And then um, there was Petland in St. Paul, which also got shut down two years ago now, I think. Um, and then Roseville, St. Paul, and Eden Prairie have all passed this Humane Pet Store Ordinance, saying that if any pet store is open... Or any existing ones, they cannot sell dogs or cats from these breeders. So, oh my gosh, that's so, that's yeah. really big. And um, HSUS, the Minnesota version, is pushing, um, was trying to push to get this statewide. Mm-hmm. Um, and this had passed the first committee meeting, and the second committee meeting was scheduled literally two days after everything got shut down at the Capitol due to COVID. So now, I believe the bill is dead. So oh, it needs to okay. like be restarted next year. So that's really unfortunate because if you could have just done a statewide thing, it would knock out the problem mm-hmm. like that. Um, and it would be awesome for Minnesota to like have a statewide ban. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's coming in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, Bella was uh, rescued from a, a puppy mill. Really? Yeah. She arrived to me with poop on her collar, and she was way too young to be taken away from her mom. Like she could fit in the palm of my hand. Oh my god. She was teeny tiny. The baby. And she was also considered defective because she's got a, a tail that isn't docked, but it's scrunched up and it looks like a pig's tail kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, So she was just born that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, why, why else was she defective? And I think that was the only reason why it was just a scrunched tail. And she's supposed to have, like, she's a Boston Terrier pug mix, mm-hmm. and she's supposed to have a tail that... No, you know a full a full tail, but she's got this little nubbin. <laughs> yeah, she's so cute. And she was the rent too, so apparently. But yeah, that's puppy mills are a really horrible, horrible thing, and I didn't know that that was the def- definition. To be quite honest, so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. That if they have more dogs than they're able to take care of, mm-hmm. and obviously, like, yeah, it's gonna differ from person to person depending on. But you even so, like. You know, people will be like, oh, well, responsible breeders, and in my opinion, there are no responsible breeders because while we're euthanizing thousands upon thousands of animals every year because there aren't homes for them, why would we be bringing more into existence? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Um, and exhausting the bodies of these mother dogs that are giving birth all the time? like Right. I, yeah. It's horrible. And the fact that the Blaine City Council... Um, 
chose to basically bulldoze over um, one of the constituents who was speaking up about her concerns um, and just totally missing the point was really just disheartening. But I've been hearing from many that um, the Blaine City Council is pretty notorious for kind of um, ignoring their constituents. So happy that an election is coming and hopefully um, positive change will be happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for bringing that up. That's, yeah. that's good to know. Um, I'm trying to think of... I think that's probably the most salient news that is happening in Minnesota that I've heard. Yeah. Kind of in the vein of intersectional feminism. Nationwide elections are coming up, so please vote. And, oh, the mail system is a thing. So mm -hmm. a lot of my friends are pretty vocal about what's happening with the mail system. Allegedly, I don't understand the whole situation, but allegedly the mail's getting fucked with. Mm -hmm. And if you choose to do a mail-in ballot, you want to make sure that your ballot reaches your home and you can track it. There's a certain website that you can go to to track it to come to your home so that you can mm. um, fill it out and then send it back and track it back as well to wherever it goes. Um, a lot of my friends are just deferring to showing up in person even despite COVID because yeah. they don't want to chance it. Yeah. But my local place where I go, like, I've only voted there once so far, but very quiet, very small. So, so I would feel mine. fine personally mm -hmm. going there. Whereas when I lived in St. Paul, I'd probably just try to avoid it. But, um, yeah. There's going to be a crap ton of people showing up in person, I bet, if they... If there's a, I'm, I'm expecting that there's a lot of people that think the way that, and know things the way that my friends do. Mm -hmm. Um, so they'll probably all be showing up in person. And I did see somebody shared something on Instagram. Um, this woman was talking about how she received her, a ballot and it looked like a Trump, like Trump propaganda. Like you wouldn't have even known that it was the ballot. Wow. Yeah. She's, so she's like putting it out there, like look through this, like leap you know, make your way through it because you wouldn't expect that. Um, also, so, I don't know if you had heard a while back when people kind of took, I think it started on TikTok, where people were reserving fake seats at a Trump rally, so it would look like they had, like, you know, filled the place, mm -hmm. even though people weren't really going to show. Yeah. So, there was um, a That's friend hilarious. message that started up, because Trump was here, was it last Friday? Not here, but in Minnesota. No kidding? Oh, pfft. Yeah, and, oh. like, they said to, um, oh, go on here and reserve some seats, and so I did, and I've been getting non-stop Trump texts, like, three to four times a day. I finally blocked, oh, I, I was like, I'm gonna keep it going for a while just to, like, see, see what it's all about. See what it says. Yeah. Um, but then I finally blocked the number, I think, this morning or yesterday, um, but it, it was just, like, incessant. Um, MAGA pint glasses, unclaimed. President Trump offered you a set of our MAGA pint glasses. Why didn't you accept? Hurry, donate $35 and claim now. And there's a link, and um, it's just... Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Cringe. Super cringe. So, in terms of... I actually had a very interesting conversation with a doctor who works at a facility in the Eastern Metro, and I, I mean, this is honestly the first time I've actually taught, had a conversation with a doctor about their perspective of, of what's going on with COVID and the information that's being um, uh, given to people about COVID and things like that. And they stated that um, 
the one thing that is very apparent and probably a lot of uh, most medical providers will come to a consensus on is that we have an autocratic leader that doesn't believe science. And this is a, the, the, the point of everything, like if you really want to just boil it all down, is that this is a virus that we don't know how it affects people, and that's why these measures should be taken. Mm-hmm. And it's not that everybody's going to fucking die. It's, it's that there are people that will, and those lives are enough to put in, like, to take these measures to try to prevent the spread of it. And, um, and that the, and I also talked to him about, like, his person, or their personal experience with, uh, patients who have contracted it, and he said, and they said, I, okay, he, it's a he, <laughs> I'm just trying to keep them anonymous, you know, anonymous, yeah. but it's a he, and he said that, um, that the symptoms are very, very real, but again, it's patient to patient, and, like, and there's a ton of factors involved, so it's just like, why are we even trying to fuck with it? Right. That's there's I so mean, many unknowns. It's unpredictable. Like, let's just do the best that we can. Right, and, and say like pushing science to the side is not going to solve this and make it go away or anything like that. So, and he said, and he also spoke to the fact that the United States has, I think, struggled with this the longest out of or one of the. And we've struggled this the longest, along with a couple other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this is the reason why. Because we are, in, like, measures across the country are not being put in, and mm-hmm. we could have had this nipped in the bud, he, he thought, yeah. at, at, like, around March. Because they were meeting in groups about the virus in early January. Yep. To discuss what they were going to do about it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so there's that. And here we are. That was super disappointing to hear yeah. from a doctor who who lives and breathes this stuff. So it's, yeah. Handled very poorly. And, of course, like, there's so many divides. Nobody can get on the same page. Um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a mess. And it's, you know, it's kind of embarrassing in lots of other oh countries. Like, so many of the problems here have been highlighted, I think. Mm-hmm. Like... Even more so. Yeah. Yep. I agree with you. And the wildfires. Oh my gosh, the West the Coast. Wildfires. Yep. Yeah, which... It was 30 miles away from my brother over in Colorado. Really? Yeah, and then it snowed. And yeah, they yeah. had like a string of like super hot days and then it snowed. Mm-hmm. Yep, so apparently that took care of it, but he was sending me Snapchats. My brother lives in Fort Collins now, and he was sending me Snapchats of the sky and... I tell you, that is the scariest thing in the world to receive from a brother. And I'm like, get away! Cause like, what are you doing? Why'd you move out there? And then he's like, well, it's gonna snow tomorrow, so it'll probably be fine. Like, and it was. R- I can't yeah. believe that snow just popped in. Yep. Like, how timely. Yep. Um, yeah, my aunt lives in Longmont, Colorado, and usually she's got, like, a beautiful view of the mountains, but it's just been, like, a haze. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, you just think of all the animals who've been displaced, and lots of animals are running into cities looking for safety, and it's just, it's heartbreaking, you know, um, stemming from fireworks, Mm -hmm. you know, why? Oh, a gender reveal party, right? That's what, at least that's what I heard online. And it's just like, first of all, how irresponsible to put off 
fireworks mm-hmm. in a place that's notorious for these fires. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that fireworks didn't even exist at all anymore. And mm-hmm. hopefully more people like due to this will be a little more conscious about that. Um, but the fact that it has spread so far, mm-hmm. just all the way up the coast, and I don't know, I just, I feel so bad for the animals who are suffering because of human actions once again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, oh man, and then your, um, well, it was the fire in Oregon, that was the one that was started by, because of the... I think that was in, it stemmed in California. And it went and up, up to Oregon, oh wow. So I checked in on my friend, uh, who I went to graduate school with, and she and her partner have been, like, holed up in his house, um, but the fires have been close in this, you think about, um, the repercussions of breathing in that air, too. Yes, the air quality is the worst, you know, it's dangerous, it's very dangerous. Ugh. Yeah, there's few times when I'm, like, grateful to be nestled in the Midwest, um, as much as I don't like cold weather and everything else, um, I feel fortunate. I think there's hurricanes happening in Florida. Right. So, yeah. There was a whole ton in the Caribbean, like, j- that just popped up. Very interesting. And this is just going to keep being exacerbated if we continue confining animals and mm-hmm. um, making climate change that much more amplified. Mm-hmm. I it's I just it's frustrating because I feel like there are seemingly so many quote unquote simple solutions to a lot of the problems, but when you're up against a system that only wants to see the top succeed and that only care about money and themselves, it's an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think a lot of people, at least in my circles, are recognizing that this is the way that it's been for a long time and it needs to change. Yeah. So that's heartening, but it's also. Like, we have a lot of work ahead of us, and Mm -hmm. a lot of us have known this for a while, or have suspected it at least. Right. And now it's just all the more apparent, and yeah. Um, Also, I want to go back and say that gender reveal party party is not a thing. It's a sex reveal party, because gender is an identity. Yes. So I forgot to mention that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised that those are still kind of going on. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, okay, so now we're going to talk about... Anti-speciesism as a intersection of feminism, yeah, and how the two kind of correlate. And you actually work pretty heavily in this field. And obviously, we are obviously you might not know this, but we are vegan. And um, I've been vegan. No, I'm not gonna say how long I've been. I've been vegan for a long ass time. Let's just <laughs> put it that way. Um, and I think that like. Putting a number on it makes people feel bad because a lot of new vegans are right. people. Like, oh, who, I've only been through this. Yeah, one and I don't want to make. The, I I really don't want to make people feel bad. You come to the, you come to terms with stuff and make the change when you make the change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a perfect storm of things that ha- makes it happen, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So, um, but anti-speciesism is absolutely an intersection of feminism, uh, in that. Animals who can, obviously, I'm sure nobody can deny this, feel and obviously feel pain mm-hmm. um, are, especially farm animals, are basically incarcerated and murdered. Um, they are not kept in, like, there's no such thing as humane 
farm farmed animals, but um, they're not kept in good conditions. They're not allowed to live out their life as you know as they should, um, and they're also uh, at least those animals of the bovine, you know, cows and stuff. Um, they're pumped full of hormones so that they keep producing milk, um, so that we can keep drinking it, which is so fucked up. Like, they eat the grass, which goes through, we, we feed animals to feed us. Yeah. It's such an inefficient system. And environmentally, that does not make any fucking sense, Mm -mm. because... We, like, if we're farming crops to feed the animals t- to feed us, that's, like, they don't need to be that middle, yeah. that middle thing. But anyways, so mm-hmm. I wanted to, that's kind of my take on it and why I chose to stop eating animals, chose to stop supporting um, organizations that, and corporations that produce food, mm-hmm. um, that is not vegan. So yeah. Why did you go vegan? Um, I watched a film, Earthlings, which is quite oh, that's graphic. A tough one. Yeah, yeah, I had never really seen anything like that, and I was blown away. Some I spent a lot of time on my grandpa's dairy farm as a kid, and um, you know the cows would lick my hands and everything, oh. and I thought they were cute. But I, there was so much that I didn't know, and mm-hmm. I did not learn the these things until I was 24 and I watched earthlings and you know I I was appalled I could not believe the treatment of these animals um they are brought into existence to be enslaved they're held captive um their needs wants desires are tossed aside because it's all about what you can get out of them um and when they're no longer deemed profitable they're sent to their death um, like for example, cows, like dairy, dairy cows, um, four, five, six years old, they're sent to slaughter and they can live up to 20 plus years old. It's like, what, how does that make any sense? Um, especially when you can see that we can thrive on plant food. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I remember my first week or two being vegan and being excited about it and, you know, bringing it up to coworkers and so many were like, well, what about protein? And like, well, what are you going to eat? Mm-hmm. And still, like, almost 10 years later, um, doing outreach and talking to people, they think that it's, you know, you're eating salads and that you're limited. And it's like fruits and vegetables alone, you know, don't even add in grains and things are so versatile and you can do so many things. So after I watched Earthlings and I bought this huge vegan cookbook, I got in the kitchen and I started playing around and I was eating really good food and I was eating foods that I didn't even know that it had existed. Like, I, I had never heard of tofu before I became vegan. I didn't mm. know what it was. And it actually took me a long time to come around to it. Like, I would use it for cheesecakes and stuff, but I would never eat it, like, in a regular, like, stir-fry or things mm-hmm. like that. But again, it, people kind of talk shit about tofu, um, which I would, you know, recommend getting non-GMO mm-hmm. um, tofu, but... It's so versatile. It takes on the flavor of what you are making with it, what you're marinating it with, what you're seasoning it with, how you're preparing it, if you're baking it, air frying it. You know, there's so many different ways to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, just everything made a lot of sense. And then you get into the environmental aspect. Like you said, we're putting in all these resources, um, growing these crops to feed mass amounts of them 
to animals, resulting in a smaller end product for us. Mm-hmm. So while we're destroying land to make room for animals to graze, the Amazon rainforest, like, just do, if, if you're unfamiliar with any of this, just Google Amazon destruction um, and animal agriculture, and it's it's alarming. It's appalling that it's been allowed to go on this long. And, you know, as the population increases, it's only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, a big problem that I have with the vegan quote-unquote movement is that a lot of people um, are living under this illusion that there's a vegan world coming. And people might think I'm pessimistic or, you know, shitting on their dreams, but when you're looking at the stats, um, more animals are being killed now than literally ever before. Mm -hmm. And we have more vegans than we've ever had. So where's the disconnect here? Yeah. It's a corrupt food system is probably the number one issue. Um, Animal agriculture gets billion-dollar government bailouts. Our taxes go to animal ag. And that's not right. You know, we shouldn't have to pay for things that we are hardcore against. Um, I did not know that. Our taxes go to that? Yeah. And it's when you start going down... uh, um, I'm really grateful that I learned of Vegan Batgirl, who founded Vegan Justice League. And then they also have Agriculture Fairness Alliance. So basically, they're working to lobby to, like, stop these bailouts to get... Um, things change so our tax money isn't going to things that we don't support. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that um, they're not really well known because they're doing really vital work. Like, in my opinion, I don't want to say it's the most important because obviously like sanctuaries and rescue and other things are very important as well, but if we want to really see a change in the system, we need to lobby and we need to get involved in our local government and... um, and I, it's tough because a lot of people see it as really overwhelming, mm-hmm. myself included, um, just learning about the system and not wanting to get involved because it can be a really ugly world, but I'm just like to the point where things aren't changing, so I'm going to have to like push myself outside of my comfort zone, learn the ins and outs, meet with my representatives, and try to make things change. Um, and if everybody's doing that on a local level, you know, I can only see good things happening, um, But it's unfortunate because groups like Agriculture Fairness Alliance are severely underfunded, Mm -hmm. when meanwhile you have other people in this vegan world, um, well, I'll come out and say, Anonymous for the Voiceless, you know, they're receiving millions of dollars to do street outreach. It's, it, it makes no sense. I do street outreach for free on my own time with a cell phone. I was just interviewing people at the Walker um, Sculpture Park Mm -hmm. and had an excellent conversation um, with this black family. It was um, a woman, her husband, and their son who was about 10 years old and spoke with them for like an hour and 15 minutes and um, basically just asked if I could, uh, my partner and I went and asked if we could interview them about um, animals. And they were excited. They're like, yeah, why not? We just started off with, you know, what what comes to mind when you think of... um, animal use or using animals and we had some further questions and like they had very long answers and it led to a lot of really interesting places and like they had these moments where you could literally see the shock on their face and then 
they wanted to learn more and they had questions and they wrote down recommendations for things and um, anybody can go out and have conversations with people. Anybody can go to these street interviews. It doesn't take a lot of money. Um, so I just don't understand how people who are going out and speaking to people on the street are taking in all this money to, I don't know, you've got sanctuaries who are struggling, you've got people, other um, groups who are underfunded, who are doing more meaningful work that's actually like immediately saving lives or working to save lives. So it's just, it's so bizarre to me. Um, and I think that's a huge problem in this movement and it's been being spoken on a lot lately. Um, you know, we have our white saviors, uh, the Joey Carbstrongs, the James Aspies, um, the Earthling Eds who are getting in all these funds and some of them, which I recently did a post about James Aspie, um, this guy has been basically on a vacation for the last like two years, living it up, eating all this vegan food, skateboarding, surfing, hanging out with his partner, um, partner's partner, and, um, He's raising money on Patreon, and oh. yeah, it's it's unreal. His Patreon has gone down over the years, um, but he puts all these promises, like, here's what my daily jobs entail, and there's a long list of things, and he's not doing these things. He has promises to his Patreon um, supporters that he will, you know, do this, this, and this, and he hasn't done a Patreon update, which is a very simple thing, since 2018. It's, I don't know, and then you start to talk about this and people come at you and act like you're jealous or a hater and it's like, no, I don't care. I don't want fame for being vegan. I just want animals to stop being killed and exploited and all these things and it, I don't think it's bad to ask for transparency and accountability. You know, if someone's taking money for doing things that they say they're doing and they're not doing them, why wouldn't that be highlighted? Yeah. I work for a nonprofit. We survive highly on donations. What do we do? We send out letters to our, you know, our supporters. We say, here's what we've been up to, which they can see if they go to any of our social media pages. Mm -hmm. That's why we're putting this stuff out there to show, you know, we're taking action. We're doing these things that we're saying that we're doing. This is what your money is going to. You can feel good about it because you know that we're being proactive. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a problem, and that's um, what Anonymous for the Voiceless has been dealing with. Their donor wanted to know, you know, where's this money going? Yep. You know, you're getting millions of dollars. Where's the money going? And instead of being accountable and maybe explaining a breakdown of, you know, their costs and things, they decide to get defensive and cut off ties with this donor and talk shit about them despite the support they've been giving them for who knows how long. So that is so bananas to me. It is, yeah. But like that's shady shit. It's it's super shady, mm -hmm. and I just just like the animal agriculture industry, like they rely on secrecy and lack of transparency, which I think is extremely wrong. Mm -hmm. But the same thing is in this vegan movement. Like yeah. again, tying back to what we mentioned in an earlier episode, just because somebody's vegan doesn't mean they're a good person, right? And people may have good intentions, but then over time, maybe things go to their head, or they realize they can get by, like, James has even said, um, in a private message that, not to me, um, but that, like, showing that you can have fun, um, you know, and be vegan is, like, his new form of activism. Oh. 
so why are you taking in money to eat at all these great vegan spots and travel and do all these things when there are people who are actually out there trying to save animals and are struggling mm -hmm. and hardly getting by. So, yeah, I had I ended up unfriending several people because I had these um, angry white men who wanted to come onto my page and um, stand up for James. And it's like nowhere in my post did I say do not support him. I basically said here's what's going on, here's what I'm seeing, here are things that he, that James is putting out there publicly, I'm compiling it into one spot, so you can, if you want to support him, you can analyze this, and dig a little further if you want. Mm -hmm. I'm just putting the information out there, you can do whatever you want with it. Um, but, again, accountability is huge, and I saw a lack of accountability, and I got silenced on his page, um, he blocked me on his Facebook page, because I had commented to somebody asking them, um... You got blocked by a dude that's got, like, a hundred K follow, like, more than a hundred K... Because wow. I was simply just asking them, like, what has James done? Yes, he has done things in the past. He put out a speech, I think it was four years ago. You're like a That celebrity. was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> he put out this amazing speech years back, and I loved it. It actually is a speech that uh, my previous partner found, and I hadn't even heard of it, and it prompted him to go vegan. Um, so that's great. Like, yes, that did make a lot of people go vegan, but the issue still stands. More animals are being killed than ever before. And what he's doing is promoting all these, these like, plant-based foods and stuff. Like, you go through his Instagram story, like I've been doing, um, not religiously, but pretty frequently the last couple of years, and a lot of it's food-related, which, yes, show people that they can have these things, but there's so many vegan food bloggers and websites and things out there, like, if you're going to be taking in donations and saying you're doing this activism, maybe you should actually be doing that activism. People are like, oh, we went to a slaughterhouse in Bali. You know what? I've been to a in fucking slaughterhouse, Bali. like, Yeah, I'm sure that wasn't the only thing you were year. doing in Bali. Well, and that's the thing. Fuck that. And people will act like you can only get access to slaughterhouses in these other countries and stuff where there are limited, or there aren't as many restrictions, but that is not true. So that's what people are coming at me with. It's like, I don't care that he went to a slaughterhouse and they had his picture taken with a bunch of dead bodies hanging behind him. Mm -hmm. Wow. Like, good for you for doing a little bit of activism. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's yeah. just... <sighs> I admire the work that you do and that you, um, what is it called when you, um, it's, it's not a vigil. You oh, bearing witness? Bearing witness. Yeah. No, that yeah, is such a vigils. hard thing to do. Oh my god! I I personally never done it because I know I would just it would tear me apart. But and 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 like sometimes it needs to, like, I think the motivation for me going vegan was initially I thought my friend in high school was cool. <laughs> she was Aww. vegan. Yeah, Sean. Uh, shout out to Sean. But then you know she talked about a lot about like what was actually happening and showed me some things, and I didn't need to see. A, like a lot mm -hmm. to be like holy fuck I don't want to do this anymore right. I don't want to support this and how do I change but I, I so admire the work that you do and that's like direct action and things I mean in a capitalist society things need to be happening on a large level so if you're getting a shit ton of funding it only makes sense to like put that shit like not be like look at me look at me I'm out in Bali like Bali. Really? Was that all you were doing was going to a slaughterhouse? Oh, I no. fucking doubt it, dude. I bet you were living it up 
Uh, oh, and I think Christopher, shout out to Christopher Sebastian, who has, do you know who Christopher Sebastian is? He was is? one of my first, like, vegan Facebook friends, and mm-hmm. I was blown away. I'm like, this guy is cool as fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah, very yeah. grateful for the work he does and what he puts out there. Yeah, he discusses the intersection of uh, anti-speciesism with feminism and, like, how it relates. He's had some really great talks. You can follow him on Facebook. He's also got a podcast now. And he calls himself a petty vegan, but he's really just, call, like, calling it yeah. as he sees it. And um, he's a person of color, and I believe he um, uh, doesn't live in the United States. Oh, no, no, he lives in New York City, but he used to live in the UK. So mm-hmm. he's got, and, and used to live in Prague, too. So he's got a, a, a really great perspective on things, and he's super sassy. And I yeah. just, I love and him. What, that's, I'm glad that you brought him up because um, you think about all these people who are out there doing important work and you ask a lot of vegans, oh, do you know who Christopher Sebastian mm-hmm. is? Do you know who Tom Regan is? Do you know who... So many people, like, so, like, so many people come to mind that, are, that I follow um, on Instagram, especially, it's mostly where I follow a lot of activists and stuff. Um, people who are out there, like, they're, they're putting, like, their needs to the back burner because the animals are coming first. Mm -hmm. And so many people are unaware. Yeah, I would love to put some of the names of people out there who are just, like, killing it. Mm -hmm. Killing it without killing others. Yeah, or, Um, like, trying to, I feel like it's a more, it should be a more selfless thing than what this James Aspie dude... Like, I googled him while you were talking about yeah. him, and I was like, oh, he looks exactly how I think he would look. Right, and, and like, he, and he's young, and he's um, a fairly attractive man, so people... And he's got this Australian accent, so people are kind oh, of, like, does, yeah. smitten, and... Of course they are. Yeah, and I was one of them at one point. Well, I wouldn't really call it that. I was just like, wow, it's so cool to hear somebody vocalizing these things that, like... I've been feeling, and a lot of people around me just, like, don't get, mm-hmm. um, especially, like, someone my age and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, it's just interesting. There's um, a long-time animal rights advocate, um, Roger Yates. He um, was one of the first people in the animal liberation mm-hmm. front, like, hardcore. Um, he just put a video out in regards to all this, like, distribution of large sums of money and, like, mm-hmm. why is it going to the people who are doing the least, Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, so that's a big problem, like, in the movement. And, um... Yeah, the, the influencers or whatever. Yes. Yeah. These influencers, it's like, okay, who? what is this movement about? Um, there is a man named Steve Best, and um, I just learned of him last year. Um, I watched a YouTube video of one of his lectures, and he talks a lot about speciesism, um and the intersections, and how um, slavery began with animals, even before humans. Like, they modeled a lot of the things that they ended up doing to humans um, based on what they were doing to animals. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, and that can be a really sensitive topic. Um, I know there are people who don't like to say that animals um, are enslaved, or that they're slaves, or anything of that sort. Um... But I don't know what else you call it when you're right. confining and using beings for their bodies and their lives, and you're the one saying how they're living, where they're living, when their lives end, 
um, things like that, but he really um, vocalizes these things well. Mm -hmm. He lays it out. I recently read a book um, also called The Dreaded Comparison, and it's a very small read, but it's talking about um, slavery and how it intersects with um, animals, slavery of humans Mm -hmm. and then non-human animals, and um, it has some photos in it, and it shows... Um, equipment and things that were used on animals and then they show the version that was used on humans and you can tell they were modeled after each other and it's just like whoa mm-hmm. um, and like Steve Best says you know you can't have um, animal liberation without human liberation and vice versa oh absolutely you know and it's just the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around is it's like the, I would like to say I'd like to think the majority of people would like to see a peaceful world, Mm -hmm. a clean world, a healthy world, peaceful. We can all just, like, live our lives and do our thing. But we've got, like, these people at the top um, that are, like, preventing it from happening. So it's like, why can't we just make it happen? Why can't we demand it? Why can't we all get on the same page? Mm -hmm. Just for, like, basic rights for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, that shouldn't be a, a big ask quite honestly. So I think that's like the biggest frustrating um, factor in doing this kind of work is like you can't make people care. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I know you, you were, it makes a lot of sense what you were saying about like not stating how long, you know, you've been vegan because in the scheme of things it doesn't matter. Well, no, it really does not. Right. Except when I'm trying to brag. So <laughs> right, I was going to say like next month I am coming up on nine years and, you know, I'll, I'll look at my Facebook memories and stuff, and I see these things that I've been going on about for almost 10 years now, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, I still have so many friends and family who aren't plant-based even, mm-hmm. let alone vegan, and it's just, like, what more can I say or what more can I show you? Or um, And in doing those street interviews, um, when asking people what is, you know, what they think about veganism and why they aren't vegan, a lot of it ties down to, from what I've noticed, is convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, and personal laziness. And maybe, like, I, I feel like a lot of people in the circles that I, um, uh, interact in, the, the people that are not vegan, also feel like it's out of their control, because it's such a huge yeah. issue, and I'm only one person, and Why that's, yeah. and these are totally, I'm not trying to bash anybody for thinking that way that these are things that I understand even it. I grappled with I was like I'm only one person even while I was vegan and I'm like sometimes it just feels so daunting as do the other intersections of feminism like being trying to be anti or like um trying to speak you know anti-racism anti-ageism and the things that I do and say and then trying to be an example and still interacting with people that are so staunchly opposite Mm -hmm. and and just getting discouraged by that that's totally a valid feeling and it's not it's never a perfect thing Uh, much like trying to be anti-racist and everything that I do and say Mm -hmm. or whatever anti-anything um that's uh, discriminatory it's all imperfect and veganism learning and yeah and 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 also I mean we're coming up on so many things. We're butting up against traditions that are hard instilled in a capitalist society, you know, a capitalist world. Like, the whole world runs on capitalism, right? So it's, 
it's a whole new way of trying to think about and change things, and I totally honor that. And animals feel just like we do. Have you seen a cow play with a huge ball? Like, they, they, and like, I know, like, maybe we just need to dive a little deeper and like grab onto that empathy and and have them realize that we are not projecting the human experience on these animals. These animals legit yeah. feel emotions and you can see it in their eyes and you can see that when like you prod them, they feel pain. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you just need to see that right in front of you to know what your dollar is supporting. Yeah. We're so, they're, they do a great job at like removing people from the process mm-hmm. and like keeping these things tucked away. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, oh man, I, yeah, it's, and it's easy, I understand how easy it is to, to feel that daunted by what's going on. So, again, I just want to say that, like, I'm not trying to shame anybody, mm-hmm. my own way of coming around and, like, doing this and feeling empowered by it, maybe that's the other thing, is that, like, a lot of people, when they, I, I had a couple friends reach out to me, and they were, um, including my god, the uh, mother of my godchild, and she said, girl, I want to be vegan, and I want to, like, try to do vegan, and I, I've seen her post lately that she's been at some meat markets and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. she's, like, getting some bacon or whatever, and so, obviously, she's not really doing that, but she went for a hot second there. She was, like, I see, like, I want to change the way that I'm living, I want your godchild to, you know, change the way that she's eating and living and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, um, even my best friend down in Florida, she, we, like, for me mentioning how veganism was a part of my feminism, that even sparked something in her mind where she's thinking about it a little bit differently now and trying to eat more plant-based. And she's not going all the way there, but there's, I gotta have faith that there's gonna be something that kicks them very hard in that direction, whether they have to see an animal being killed right in front of them. Like, that's why bearing witness is so important. Like, watching that shit happen, I know some people, there are those people that I'm quite frank, frankly very afraid of that don't feel anything when they see yeah. that happen. Yeah. But um, for the, the majority, I think that there's gonna be something that they feel inside themselves. And to pay attention to what that feels like, mm-hmm. even if it might be hard, it's never easy to watch that shit. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be. Because, I mean, that's suffering. That's mm-hmm. blatant suffering. And, um, I mean, people suffer covertly and everything like that, and that's that should also be paid attention to. But that is, like, the real shit that happens. And it's just... Um, and going back to, like, influencers and stuff, the only thing that I had to say about that is that how are you co-opting something that's supposed to be so boiled down to that level of, let's just, like, stop using it, and you're, like, exploiting the cause, kind of? Oh, yeah, and then you'll put in a plug for, oh, here's a code for my CBD oil, and, oh, here's these shirts I'm making. It's just, like... And I'm not denying that they're not causing, like, waves of people to to do the thing and yeah. make the change and stuff, but it just seems so disingenuous. Big time. So, yeah. that's what I have to say about Mr. James Aspie. Yeah. And I hope he blocks me, too, because that would be really funny. <laughs> it's just, oh, man. Um, you're Like I said, you're a celebrity. If that guy blocked you, that's Oh, he's blocked so many people. Oh, um, Angela had Seems commented, like she, she said, um, he's blocked, like, every real activist that I know just having a conversation with somebody about how important it is to have 
so many different types of activists mm -hmm. and forms of activism because different things reach different people, mm -hmm. you know, and you never know what that thing might be that is going to reach people. And that's why I try to like put a broad range of stuff out there. Like here's what the human rights issues, here's the environmental issues, here's food you can eat, here are products mm -hmm. that aren't tested on animals. Like what is it that's going to get people to like think about these things on a different level? Um, and I think that's another thing that's really frustrating. Um, like when I first, in my first couple of years of being vegan, I was just like, oh my God, like this is great. This is going to catch on. Like, why wouldn't it? it makes much sense. We've got all these things on our side. Um, but then like to be here years later and kind of like just pretty disheartened with the movement, if you can even call it that. Um, there's people who say like, oh, this is the largest like social justice movement of our time. It's like, um, no, I'm sorry. Like, I wish that, you know, things were a little more advanced, but that's not the case. Um, especially when you've got things like Black Lives Matter and yeah. everything going on this year. Um, but I just wish that we could get like environmentalists and people who are fighting against climate change to one, go vegan. I went to a climate um, meeting in St. Paul when I lived there last year and everybody's just like so upset about like the state of the world and the climate and not a single person brought up like, oh, our food choices really matter when it comes to this and we should be advocating for this. Um, and I got pretty disheartened so I didn't go back to any more meetings where I wasn't going to like bring up the vegan topic right off the bat. I just kind of wanted to observe as a new person there. But then I just got disheartened and I'm just like, you know, nobody cares enough to actually take like personal responsibility. Um, and I don't know, it's just like, how can we have so many things on our side? Why can't we get the environmentalists to team up with us? Why can't we get feminists to team up with us? Why can't um, we get people who are fighting for uh, against racial injustices to team up? Because you're looking at the people who are running the slaughterhouses and the vast majority are people of color. Yeah. Where have, like, some of the largest COVID outbreaks been? Slaughterhouses. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know, there, there's so much that people don't know, and again, tying back to the age of distraction, I think that people are already overwhelmed, and it just seems like way too much and too overwhelming to, like, make this life change to go vegan, um, but it doesn't have to be an overwhelming thing, mm -hmm. you know? I don't want to undermine anybody's, like, struggles and say it's easy, but, like, there's so many cookbooks and websites and things out there. Mm -hmm. um, look up local groups near you. Here we have the Animal Rights Coalition. They have vegan mentors, meal planning workshops, um, nutrition workshops, things to help you get there so you're not just trying to figure it all out on yourself, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and there's groups like that all over, and I think that that's really important, and I would have loved to have something like that when I very first went vegan, because mm -hmm. I felt so isolated being in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and not knowing any other vegans, but just kind of figuring it out, you know? Like, thank goodness for the internet in that regard. Um, but yeah, it's just, how do we, how do we get people to care? How do we get people to make, um, actual change I'm I had some uh, a thought here and I'm curious Ashley because you work so directly in this line of work and it is so blatantly obvious 
the abuse that happens to these animals and you watch it happen and you deal with people other people who watch it happen deal with like secondary trauma of hearing about this shit how are you taking care of yourself that is um how do you a question take that's yourself? kind of tough to answer <laughs> there's no one um, way i'm sure but like right you know um i really do try to keep up with getting in a workout mm-hmm. um five, six days a week, and I'm not, like, going hardcore for an hour. These are, like, 10 to 40-minute workouts, mm-hmm. depending on what my day looks like. But just, like, getting that burst of energy and knowing I'm taking care of myself mm-hmm. is really important. Um, meditating, being present, um, trying not to internalize all these things that I see mm-hmm. because it, I guess it kind of ties back to the power of now and being present. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay yes, I saw these things happen and it's really horrible and I hate it and those images will probably never leave me, mm-hmm. but I'm here in this moment, like, stressing about it and getting upset um, isn't going to help the animals. It's not going to change anything besides maybe throw off my day and direct my focus, which I don't mean to say this to undermine Everybody handles things in different ways, Mm -hmm. and there is nothing wrong with that. This is just, like, my experience and the way that I see it and what has been working for me. Um, It's been about two, coming up on two and a half years that I've been actually, like, documenting animal abuse and cruelty and killing. And, um, And a lot of it's in totally legal places. Like, I'm not, like, breaking laws to do these things. Like, it's accessible. And it's easy to get, like, on these streaks where it's go, 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 and you're just, like, documenting, documenting. You don't even have time to, like, process what you just witnessed. It's just, like, nope, on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And um, after that was all said and done, like, I'd do these bursts, like, like, whether there's, like, a fair in town, and I'm doing that for a week straight. Um, and fairs have many different aspects of abuse and exploitation. But um, I remember after the state fair last year, just, like, sitting down and, like, looking through my phone at, like, my last week of images and things that I had captured, and I was, like, really looking and seeing the animals and looking at their eyes and just, like, because, you know, when you're doing these things, you can't really show emotion. You don't want to stand out or call attention to yourself or whatever. Um, But, yeah, I find that going through the footage sometimes is harder than actually being there because when you're there, you're putting up a front, you're... essentially kind of acting, you know, you're in a role, you don't want to blow your cover, um, and I think that that really hit me, and I was like, whoa, I haven't really even processed any of this Mm -hmm. stuff, and so, um, I found it really empowering to, like, view the, view this footage and think of how can I document this better next time, what do I want to focus on a little more that I think would really get through to people, how can I present this to people? How can I get this out there? Um, and I want to urge people who want to get active to just start going to fairs well, when they're when it's not COVID, obviously, or when things are actually happening, and document it. Because if you're posting this stuff to people who live around you, your friends and family, and you highlight, hey, this is happening like right here in our backyard, mm-hmm. it somehow seems to connect a little more with people. Mm-hmm. Like when I go to the um, bear witness and well, I'll be there tomorrow um, in Austin, Minnesota uh, outside the pig slaughterhouse and there's been so many times I post this stuff and I get people who aren't vegan that message me and they're like, whoa, like that was in Minnesota like for whatever reason when it's close to home it just hits a little harder 
Um, That's really interesting to me. It is. Yeah, it's, yeah it really is. Because a lot of people like to, oh, other countries treat animals really poorly and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, if it's no, everywhere. It's, it's happening here. It's yeah. everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, so I think that just like using what I see as fuel to want to fight harder and, um, yeah, meditating, taking that time to just totally clear my mind and just put it to rest. Being present, focusing on the present moment, um, is huge. That's very, very huge. And it's, it's difficult. It's not always easy to just be like, all right, I'm going to be present. Like, it doesn't happen like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that burnout, like activist burnout is a very real thing. Oh my God, I can't even imagine. And I've had people be like, are you okay? Like, are you going to burn out? It's like, I under, and I appreciate people's concern and I understand it, but like, no, I'm not mm-hmm. burning out. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that has me disheartened is what change is actually happening. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, is it worth putting in all this time and effort if nothing, if change, actual change isn't happening and animals aren't being saved? So the times when I actually get to save an animal are like some of my favorite because I feel like, okay, I'm making an impact in this being's life right now. Mm-hmm. Um... I actually got to visit a sanctuary yesterday where there is a chicken that I assisted in um, liberating. So, um, how is the chicken doing? Excellent. Yeah. Very, very, very well. Yeah, they they seem to be very happy, and that made me happy. And that right there is super rewarding. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Um, so things like that. I think um, visiting sanctuaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to like three, four sanctuaries in the past like month and a half, two months. Mm-hmm. So to see animals who, you know, were, are living in much better conditions and are actually still living, um, or many of, I'd say pretty much most of the animals that I've seen now would have been otherwise dead, um, had they still been in the quote unquote industry. But, um, yeah, being around animals who are living their best lives is definitely, um, very heartwarming and motivating, um. But yeah, just uh, knowing that this that my heart and soul lies in this cause, I believe in it wholeheartedly, and I can't imagine really doing anything else at this point. Like I think the guilt would kind of consume me if I wasn't trying to do what I could. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, thankfully no burnout yet, and I don't feel like a burnout is coming. I do try to travel a couple times a year, and while I might mix in some documentation, I also try to do some things that are enjoyable and, you know, link up with social media friends and things like that too. So, um, yeah, I guess being present would be my number one answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, don't discount the, the waves of impact that you make in people's lives by just documenting either. Like that has been every time that I force myself to watch something and I'm talking about force, like I needed, like, I don't know, to re up my, my energy for justice when it comes to animals being abused and enslaved. And, um, that was, those are the most painful things to watch, but it also the most effective things to watch. Totally. I think a lot, a large majority of people who are vegan is because of the work of undercover investigators, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's their life. Um, tying back to, you know, funds being placed in the wrong places, you have people like Unparalleled Suffering, who is a photographer that I've looked up to for probably five years, who is the one that sparked me into documenting myself. Um, 
this person is very underfunded and they're probably one of the hardest workers that I know and they're putting out really meaningful content that's you know getting people to think um, uh, something I wanted to mention actually too even though it isn't local well it, it can be local um, Kaporos is a um, Hasidic Jewish ritual that happens um, like the week leading up to Yom Kippur which is next Sunday um, a week from today, so the ritual basically... Oh, I think I know this. Yeah, they take chickens and they hold them very painfully by their wings and they wave the chicken over anybody's head. Um, men, women, children, pregnant women's bellies for their unborn baby and they say some words and this is thought to um, transfer the sins of the peep of the humans into the chickens and then they slit the chickens throat and they think that their sins are just gone um, it's a small group of well I don't really know how small but it's not like widely practiced in the Jewish faith but um right now it's happening on the streets of New York City um, Brooklyn I believe. oh yeah and it's really messed up because the police they provide barriers, they provide cones, and they're putting the chicken, the slit throat chickens in these cones, and that's, they're bleeding out through the bottom of these oh, cones. Oh, that's so sick. And they're protected because this is a religious thing. Yeah. So just, like, this year, being that we're in a fucking pandemic, this adds a whole new layer. Yeah. Of just, what the fuck? Why is this being allowed? Um, so yeah, um... I can't remember if it's, I want to say it's more than 60,000 just in New York. Um, these birds are shipped in. They're in these crates um, without food and water for a very long time. They're yanked out. You know, the ritual is done. Their throats are slit. Um, for many years, activists have been working against this, um, documenting. And uh, I remember watching live streams um last year and the year before, maybe the last three years actually, um, of this happening, Unparalleled Suffering was doing live streams, which they reposted at their story yesterday or today, so I was just watching that, like, I don't know, there, there's kids running all around, they're seeing these birds with their throats slit, and it's just the norm, mm -hmm. business as usual, um, oh, Liz Jones so is another up. amazing activist who went live, um, she actually got punched in the face by one of the people, one of the people that were partaking in this ritual. Her phone was knocked out of her hands. Um, yeah, it's, they, they don't give a fuck. They can get away with anything. The cops can stand there and just watch them commit these atrocities. They're breaking, I think, 15, um, health codes. Like, they're just allowed to break these laws and kill and litter the streets with feathers and blood, and yeah, so that started today. Um, it's also taking place um, closest to us. I think there may be some places in Minnesota, but I haven't been able to find out where, oh. and they're mostly like smaller, more private things, but yeah. in Chicago, um, this is also going on. I know of three slaughterhouses that are performing. I'm actually hoping to go out there. There's activists with the Slaughter Free Cities movement, which is also... 
I think not as widely known. They're fairly new, but they're doing great work in getting either slaughterhouses shut down or I just got news that um, they prevented a slaughterhouse from opening in a suburb of Chicago. Uh, I just heard that yesterday, so that's great news. But um, they've been working with, like, I think the DXE chapter of Chicago to put pressure on the slaughterhouse themselves. Um, I, I called the owner, and they pretended that I had the wrong number, and I know for a fact I didn't, but they've been getting a lot of calls. Um, the person who actually owns the building, their landlord, a lot of pressure's been being put on him. Um, just trying to take every angle that they kind of let them know, like, you guys are violating health codes. We're in a pandemic. We will be there to film you. So try just trying to get them to call it off. Mm -hmm. Why do you need to be doing this? Mm -hmm. um, and the, one of the sickest parts about this ritual is that they can actually use money instead. They don't have to kill chickens. They can use money for the ritual. But this group chooses to, these groups choose to kill chickens instead. I, I do not understand that at all. No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's really upsetting and it's just it's frustrating because I really wanted to go out to New York to document um but given the pandemic and lack of funds it just wouldn't make any sense for me to go so I'm hoping that I can make it out to Chicago this weekend um to watch it happen there yeah and try to get some footage just to highlight hey you know this is in the Midwest this is going on right here like let's raise awareness let's try to get some you know laws in place to stop this um so, yeah, I wanted to mention that at the beginning since that's just started today. But um, like I said before, I admire the work that you do. It's such hard work, and I'm glad that you're able to kind of give to yourself so you're not burning out. Um, I know for a lot of people who are activists, uh, animal activists, animal rights activists, <laughs> um, it's burnout is, like, real high. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people struggle with that and Miley Cyrus just announced that she's not vegan and I don't know what that's all about but I, oh I kind of just wanted to touch on that and be petty for a second because she even said like she was announcing on the show that she wasn't vegan anymore and she introduced fish back into her diet and she was like the one thing that really bothered me is she's like I already know the vegans are gonna come for me and I basically like I don't give a shit yeah and I'm like then why the fuck were you ever vegan? Like, and she's like, oh, she also said I have twenty animals in my, in my house or whatever. I'm already doing enough for the animals. Oh, so it's okay to kill some. And I'm pretty sure that a, um, a particular fish is the whole reason. Maybe not the whole reason, but a big part of the reason why she decided to go vegan was because of a companion fish that she had. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that she went on Joe Rogan, the Joe Rogan podcast. To explain that she wasn't vegan was a massive fuck you to the animals. Yeah. Because he has a huge platform. He is all about bringing on quote-unquote ex-vegans to talk shit. Because he's getting money from people and, you know, invested oh, in the Oh, I'm sure industry. he is. I'm sure he is. And it's just, it's sickening. Um, he had the director of the Game Changers, who put in, like, a thousand hours of research into plant-based diets. He had him on, and he... Joe was agreeing with a lot of the stuff that he said. Like, you can't deny this stuff, but here he is. Like, he went, Joe Rogan went on the carnivore diet not long after he had James on as a guest. It's like... Didn't he also get super sick? I know that... I wonder if he was... There was something going on. Yeah, he was having some kind of issues, but... 
then he felt great. Um, yeah, who was that um, musician who went um, on the carnivore diet, I think, as like a fuck you to a vegan? Wasn't or, it James Blake or James Blunt? James Blunt? Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And he got scurvy? Like, who gets scurvy? <laughs> like, there you go. Yeah, I don't know. Just ridiculous. But, um, yeah. Clearly he's not eating enough animals that eat citrus fruits. <laughs> So, Unreal. maybe change your animal diet. So, that, so fucked Or up. just cut out the middleman and eat a fucking orange. Like. Yeah, pretty simple. <laughs> but yeah, that really pissed me off that Miley decided to, with her platform, to just like kind of shit on veganism. It's like, do a little research, don't mm-hmm. spread inform- misinformation because people take what celebrities say to oh, absolutely. heart. I, I really think that they don't... I don't know if, like, she's also being funded now by somebody who offered her a lot of money. I'm, that. you know, money tends to, a lot of times, always be the culprit in these sorts of things, mm-hmm. like you said with Joe Rogan. Um, but it's just super disingenuous, and I don't know how somebody could, like, sleep at night knowing that they're not... Maybe consistency in their life is not as important to them um, as it is to me because I feel like uh, consistency across intersections of feminism is definitely what I strive for. And it's never going to be perfect, but if somebody's calling me out for some bullshit, like, I'm going to listen to that. Right. You know? I, I don't know. That that was just really interesting to me, and I... And I was really disheartened to hear her be like, I know the vegans are going to come for me and I don't give a shit, basically. But, and then that paints us, people who follow the vegan diet, like, I don't even have to tell people that I'm vegan. I don't, I don't tell people that I'm vegan, but it's not, like, intentional. Like, I don't feel like that's a part of me that I need to be, like, put out there anyway. Well, I mean, it's just, it's what I am and And it often just comes up. Like, organically. Exactly. Or, like, that I'm a feminist. And I don't need to be voicing that all the fucking time to let people know. But she kind of reinforced, in a very weird way, that vegans are crazy by saying that they're going to come for her. Right. As if, like, fuck you, the animals don't... Like, obviously we're going to have some words to say because now you're... Like, I think you're crazy. Like, for, I think people who eat animals and stuff like that are kind of a little, like, there's something not connecting there. Because I don't understand that frame of mind, how you can see, like, just because, maybe because you think chickens are annoying, so you'll eat them. Like, whatever. Right. But, have you, like I said before, have you seen a cow play? And have you seen, um, pigs be affectionate toward humans? And, and, or, like... A, a farmed pig, over time, trusts a human that rescued them, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a real thing. These thing, these animals feel just like us. They can be... Birds can yeah. be affectionate toward humans. Chickens and, purr. Yeah, ch- yeah chickens purr, and, and, hu- and turkeys can hug you and shit. And <laughs> I saw that in a video, and I was like, I want to hug a turkey. <laughs> That looks really fun. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, the, these animals think, as far as I can tell, feel the same way we do, feel pain the way that we do. And right. So it shouldn't be that difficult to kind of grasp, but... Yeah, your brain wasn't working. Oh, that was the other thing that she said. Oh, wait, and it's like, your okay, brain wasn't take... working correctly. Uh, maybe right. eat more walnuts, bitch. I really hope that people consider, through our discussion and what we've discussed here, maybe something has hit you a certain way, and that maybe you consider 
taking a second look at eating a more plant-based diet, going in the direction of plant-based, not supporting product, you know, buying products that are not plant-based. Um, it's really easy to do, and there's a shit ton of resources online to be able to do that. Ultimately, it the intersections of veganism with feminism, it, it all coincides. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not being very articulate, but I just, I really hope that this kind of was a wake-up call to some listeners out there. If not, that's okay. Feel free to message us mm -hmm. if you need more advice or you have specific questions about going vegan or... Yeah, we're here. That's what we're here and happy to be doing for you. Absolutely. Um, so you can DM us on Instagram at Minersectional. You can check us out on Facebook at Minersectional as well on on Facebook. Um, also, I'm Noreen Yadude on Instagram, and you can definitely DM me there. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little more hidden on Facebook. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm Ash Wickety on Instagram. Um, I do have some graphic stuff on my page, just to warn you before heading there. But, um, yeah. And also a lot of very informative posts. Thanks. Yeah, so thanks for checking us out, and we will um, get at you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Calling all Minnesotans, and maybe some non-Minnesota natives, too, if you're interested. Are you an individual who has some feedback for us, or maybe just wants to rant a bit about something intersectional feministy that grinds your gears? Or maybe you got an idea for a podcast discussion topic, or maybe know somebody that we, Noreen and Ashley, just need to talk to that's out there making waves and trying to fuck it up, even if that person is you? DM us on Instagram at Minersectional, PM us on Facebook, or email us at minersectional at gmail.com and let's make that happen.